Hey guys, welcome back to Quick Take. I'm your host, John Sherrod, and I'm recording this Monday, May 7th, 2018. And what that means is that yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the announcement of the iMac, which is uh, hard to believe, uh, makes me feel old. Um, but I thought that this was absolutely worth talking about uh, because the iMac played a huge role in turning Apple around from a company that was on the brink of going out of business or getting acquired by some other company in the mid to late 90s into uh, putting it on the path to what it has become today. And of course, you know, the iPhone is, is the single biggest thing you could point to. And the, But before that, there was the iPod, which had a huge hand in moving Apple forward in the minds of you know, consumers at large, not just people who had historically been Mac users. But I think it was really that iMac was as far as a product. Now, of course, Steve Jobs coming back to Apple was probably the biggest key that you could point to. But in terms of a product, I feel like the iMac uh, played a huge role in reshaping what Apple was in the minds of consumers. Um, it was it was just a huge thing. And, um, you know, it, it, I really when I look back at how I became a Mac user, um, I think of really three things that really, uh, were influential in in me making that decision to switch to the Mac. Uh, number one was just windows fatigue. Uh, you know, growing up, we had always had Dawson windows based PCs and it seemed like we were always having trouble with them of one sort or another. And I never found windows, you know, enjoyable to use. Um, so just windows fatigue and looking for another option would, would be part of it. Another thing, and I think this, I maybe saw this around the time the iMac was introduced or maybe even a year or two before, was there was a PBS documentary um, on the history of uh, Silicon Valley and the rise of uh, Bill Gates and Microsoft and Steve Jobs and Apple. And I want to say it was the documentary Triumph of the Nerds, um, but I haven't gone back and watched that one to see if it's actually the one I'm thinking of. But I'm pretty sure it is. But anyway, in that documentary... um, That was really my first introduction to Steve Jobs. I don't know that I really had ever heard the name or knew who he was until I saw this documentary and you, and it showed some of the, the clips of Steve uh, speaking from back in, in, uh, the, the early eighties, uh, and talking about the story of the Macintosh and raising the pirate flag over the building where they were developing the Macintosh and just seeing, uh, Steve's fire and passion you know, really caught my attention. And I was like, whoa, who is this? And what is Apple? And I want to know more about this company. So that was a big one. And then the other was the iMac itself. I remember, I don't know if this was the first time I saw the iMac or not, but I was uh, in the waiting room for just a doctor's checkup, like a yearly physical kind of thing as a teenager. I was 16 years old when the iMac was announced and seeing a magazine, I don't remember what magazine it was, but it had a picture of that original Bondi blue iMac on the cover of the magazine. And, and again, that was another one of these moments where it was like, whoa, what is this? I've got to know more about it. Um, and, you know, so it was those three things and, and, and the iMac uh, being one of the big ones there that really convinced me to uh, become an Apple user. And, um, you know, I spent, it was two more years and you know, it was 98 when the iMac was announced and, and, uh, and put on sale. And it was two more years until I got my first Apple computer course I'd use them in school you know growing up but you know uh, you know again until about the time the iMac was announced I didn't really know what Apple was and what made it stood apart from uh, you know the rest of the PC industry Uh, but it was another two years it was in 2000 summer of 2000 right before I went off to college that I got uh, my first 
um, my first Mac, and it was not an iMac. I actually sh- that was originally what I wanted, and I shifted course over to the iBook when Apple introduced the iBook in 1999. And so the first Apple computer I ever bought was uh, the iBook Special Edition, which was that original design, but it was it was in the graphite color, or the gray, it was what Apple called gray. Um, you know, and then I went off to college and um, and actually got into. Uh, the IT world uh, through an apprenticeship program that they had at my college where they would bring students in and, you know, teach them how to work on computers and get them certified. And and you got to work with the actual uh, information technology staff on campus. And uh, I went down the path of the the Macintosh support track. And uh, so that really uh, gave me exposure to a whole bunch of different kind of Macs. Um, You know, I remember... uh, you know, we had at the time, uh, because at the time, you know, the, the Macintosh was still thought of as something for education and creatives. And that was pretty true as far as what departments you found Macs in at my college back in those days. And we had, I remember, a, a Macintosh computer lab in the communication building. Uh, and it was all uh, iMac DVs. And the iMac DV was one more geared toward, I think it was, I think the DV stood for digital video. And it was more geared toward that. Um, and they were all in the graphite color, so they looked, they looked really sharp. Um, and we had a whole lab full of those. And I think that was there already when I got to campus, but I you know, certainly spent a lot of time uh, you know, maintaining that lab. And at one point, we rearranged it and reconfigured it. And then uh, I want to say in maybe 2002 or so, uh, we, that was uh, whatever the... Um, the, the, the G4-based iMacs came out, and those were the ones that were the lampshade that kind of looked like Pixar's Luxo Jr. Um, we actually, uh, the, the education building got a remodel, and they put in uh, a lab all full of iMacs, and we had those. And so I remember, uh, you know, unboxing and configuring and setting up all of those. And um, that was interesting because, and part of learning about how to get that configured, I remember going down to uh, the Apple Store in Atlanta, and uh, talking to one of the geniuses there and asking them a question. And the answer, it was something that I really already knew, but the way he put it just really made it snap the light on for me. And so that was my first introduction to Apple retail. So all of these things, um, you know, led me into the career that I've had now. You know, of course, I did the IT work in college and then um, eventually spent over seven years working in Apple retail and and now have, have spent the last several years working as a computer technician focusing on supporting Macintosh. And, uh, you know, you can really, in, in many ways, you can trace all of that back to that original uh, iMac that was introduced 20 years ago yesterday. Um, it really blows my mind that it's been that long. Because if you think about it, the Macintosh, the original Macintosh came out in 1984. And, um, you know, so the Mac, the Mac as, a, as a product line had only existed for 14 years when the iMac came out. And now... The iMac product line has existed for the last two decades, uh, and that really blows me away. But, you know, thinking back to those original iMacs, um, the original one just came in one color. They called it Bondi Blue, and it was kind of like a sea, a seafoam blue kind of color. And, uh, and then I want to say a year later is when they introduced uh, five different colors you could get. And uh, there was a, quite a famous commercial where they showed off the IMAX and all those different colors. And it just became a cultural phenomenon. Uh, the IMAX became super, super popular. People were, were buying them in droves. And then all sorts of other consumer products at that time. Not only did rival PC manufacturers try to ape the look of that in terms of the color scheme that they were going for, um, 
but uh, you know, all sorts of different consumer products tried to ape those colors and looks. I remember in 2003, um, I was given as a gift a George Foreman grill, and it was in almost that same Bondi blue color. So, uh, you know, printers and scanners. I remember I had a scanner. Uh, I bought my first uh, that first iBook uh, from the Mac Mall catalog, and it came in a bundle with a printer and a scanner. And the scanner was in a trans like that translucent, you know, Bondi blue light color. And so it was just amazing how that uh, revolutionized a whole bunch of consumer products from that era in terms of the design and the look and feel of them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, probably the most controversial thing about the, that, those original iMacs were the little hockey puck shaped mice, which uh, are almost universally hated. I think I'm in the minority that actually really liked that mouse. Uh, but that mouse was pretty much hated. But every, but in general, the iMacs were extremely popular and, and well received. And uh, you know, they're also historically significant for bringing uh, USB uh, in a big way to a mainstream computer. I mean, it wasn't the first computer that had USB, but it really, you know, Apple abandoned its old uh, ADB connectors that it had used for connecting peripherals before, and introduced uh, USB. And, and that was one of the the major, you know, personal computer products that really. Ad- adopted USB in a big way and really pushed that into uh, being just a ubiquitous format that, that it has been for all these years. Um, and uh, of course the, you know, the, the keyboard had the USB ports, uh, just like the, the previous Apple keyboards that had the ADB ports. And, and that's, that's still a great, you know, design having extra USB ports built right into the keyboard. Um, but those, you know, those machines were great. They, those little gumdrop shaped iMacs, they had the handle on the back, which really harkened back to the original Macintosh. It was an all-in-one computer that had the handle on the back. And of course, eventually, uh, Apple transitioned even its, uh, uh, pro computer line, the Power Mac, uh, over to having that kind of translucent plastic, uh, design, the Power Mac G3 and then the G4, uh, looked like that. And, um, Boy, it's just so many memories have flooded back to me. Just thinking back through uh, the uh, the twenty years and back to that launch, that original iMac. I mean, again, that that got me really into the Mac. I was, even though I didn't get a Mac for two years later, I was reading everything I could, uh, you know, on the internet for sure, and watching the Apple keynotes on the little, you know, thumb, you know, postage stamp sized uh, keynote, uh, QuickTime rather uh, files that that they were streamed in. Uh, I was reading Macworld Magazine. I remember vividly, you know, sitting on a couch at my community college, uh, reading through Macworld Magazine, and it was showing off one of the uh, Power Mac G4s on the cover. Um, and, and it's really interesting, too. I, I went back and watched uh, uh, a YouTube video that was just a, a, a kind of edited together, quickly edited together a clip of the introduction of that original iMac, and it had been years since I watched that, but it was so fun to revisit that. Um, and, uh, you know, watch those old school showdowns that Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller would do where they would, you know, line up a, a, an Apple computer versus a high-end, uh, you know, Windows Intel-based PC and, uh, you know, watching them churn through a, a video or, or a Photoshop file with lots of, uh, you know, plugins and filters and things like that and, and just showing how the Mac smoked it. it. Those were really fun, and and I miss some of those things, and... Um, who knows? Hopefully, if Apple does start switching over to uh, processors for the Mac based on its own chips, as they have done with the iPhone and iPad, maybe we'll get some of those fun little comparison things again. That would be a, a whole lot of fun. But also, uh, you know, rewatching that, um, 
you know, just again, a reminder of uh, how sad it is that we don't have Steve anymore. And I don't mean that to take uh, any shots at, at Apple's current leadership. Just, you know, I miss Steve and his personality and his just, uh, uh, his magnetism and just the, the skill he had and the passion he had talking about these products. Uh, e- even in that alone, let alone his, his visioneering, you know, product development mind. Um, you know, I miss Steve just for, just for those onstage moments that were just so much fun. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, I, I, I have owned a couple of iMacs. I didn't get an iMac until the iMac G5 came out and I bought it in early 2005, which was kind of an auspicious time to buy it because that was the year that that summer uh, Apple announced the switch to Intel. And so in, in a way that, that computer that I bought was obsolete, obsolete pretty quick. But, uh, you know, that was the first time they had gone to the design, uh, that really has been carried on to today, which was the, uh, the design where it's got the foot and it's, and it's basically just the screen and the computer part is built in behind it. And, and they were white, uh, back in those days as they had been, uh, with the G4 IMAX. But, you know, that was a great little iMac. I still have it. I don't have it plugged in and, and I'm not using it for anything, but I still have it and it still works and it was a beautiful design. And then, uh, I bought a, uh, an iMac in, I want to say 2008. And that was one of the ones that had transitioned over to the, the silver aluminum body, um, and, and used that for many years. And it was a great little computer as well. So I've owned two iMacs and certainly, uh, serviced and worked on a whole bunch of them over the years. Uh, going back to those original Macintosh iMacs, and um, I don't know, just a lot of memories. And I just thought I would take a minute to reminisce a little bit and share with you guys my thoughts on the iMac as it turns 20 and how how big of a deal it was in making me into an Apple customer. I don't know that that would have happened. Probably would not have happened if it hadn't been for the iMac. Uh, so thanks, Apple, for the iMac. And, uh, it, you know, really interested to see what the future holds for the iMac. Um, the, the computing world has shifted a lot since the original iMac was, was introduced. Uh, you know, we're much more of a, a laptop using personal computer culture than we are a desktop using culture. So the iMac has kind of shifted from being the, uh, sort of the consumer, every person desktop computer. It still is that, but you know, more consumers even are going to laptops or iPads or even just using a smartphone for most of their computing life. So the iMac has really shifted into being more of a prosumer device. And Apple really made a big push for that with the iMac 5K. And now with the iMac Pro, it's even branched into uh, a legitimate bona fide high-end professional workstation. Um, So interesting to see what has happened with the iMac line and interested to see you know, will we get another 10 years, another 20 years of the iMac? Or, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this line going forward. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Um, if you, if, you know, if you wouldn't mind going into Apple Podcasts or the iTunes store and giving me a five-star rating, that's a big help because it really helps boost the visibility within the, the iTunes algorithm and, and surfaces it for more people to see. Also, if you have a question, something you want me to discuss uh, on the show, you can download the free Anchor app for your iPhone and you can actually send me va- basically a voice message that I can even include in the show and then answer your question. So uh, you can do that or you can find me on Twitter at JWSherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Thanks for listening to Quick Take and I'll see you next time.